Hello and welcome to episode two of the Help and Sport podcast. I'm Tom Brown and over the next few weeks we will be interviewing people making an impact in the sporting world. Professional athletes, coaches, managers to gain a deeper insight into what sport is like in their world and how it has helped them throughout their lives. I'm joined by my co-host all the way from Cork via Hawaii, former pro athlete, Help and Sport founder, Satanta Halping. Our guest on this week's show is a remarkable man and someone that might be in 30, 40 years' time given the keys to Donegal. It's a Cork man living in Donegal and charged with setting up hurling in the Dunlow area back almost 23 years ago, Cormac Hartnett. First and foremost, Cormac, thanks a million for coming on Helping Sport. Um, appreciate your time. Um, I, I'm so interested to, you know, to hear about yourself and your story. It's a remarkable story. You know, um, I know firsthand trying to get you know, sport going in a different county and especially hurling because, um, you know, in the, obviously you're, you're a native from our own county, County Cork. So, um, you know, re- remarkable trying to get hurling going in Donegal. And, um, you know, I'm just privileged that you came on the show and um, we, we just want to hear about how you, how you got this going and um, you know, what your foreseeable future is. And um, first and foremost, talk about yourself, where you're from and, um, you know, how all this came about. Yeah, great to be here, Satanta. Great to be here with a, a legend like yourself and another Um I'm in good company, that's for sure. I, I'm from Mallow originally, um, oh. so I'm uh, actually next door neighbour of Eddie O'Donnell, whom you know well. Beautiful. Um, so uh, I grew up uh, in, in, in a hurling and football uh, strong hold, I suppose, Mallow. Maybe not uh, top of the pops in terms of where they got to, but uh, there was always a good level of both there. It was a dual environment. Um, I actually played more football than than hurling, to be honest. Um, but when I came to Donegal, I, I'm a solicitor by profession, uh, and Donegal was the uh, the the first offer of a of a job that I had after I qualified. So I came up in in full expectation, like every Cork man, to end up going back to Cork, um, and um, I did. In fact, I, I stayed here for about two years. Then I went back to Cork. And it was only at that point, and I suppose sometimes you have to leave a place to realize how beautiful it is. Yeah. So I, I left here um, and then was in Cork maybe about six or eight weeks and realized that, you know what, I've, I've actually made a mistake here. So um, I asked for my old job back and was fortunate enough to get it back having left and, um, and uh, continued uh, set up a practice uh, uh, myself and my wife, who's all, also was here. We set up a practice in 1999, um, which is now... 23 odd years ago so um yeah the the, the law is, is 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 going going well it's been good to us uh, we've got a thriving practice here we're well embedded in Dunlow which is a, a beautiful town on the the far west coast of Donegal uh, really great people quite like Cork people in many ways you know they're yeah. they're open and they're good crack and they're they're decent uh, honest to god folk and uh, it's great to be a part of that and um, so Hurling was introduced here and somebody asked me actually to, to take a school training session. Um, I had been playing a little bit myself here. Um, I played with Tony Gall for a couple of years, um, but I was playing football for the club here at Dunlow and somebody asked me to, to take a session. So really it was a, a group of maybe eight, nine years old children um, and we took them. They, they loved it mm. and... Uh, it kind of stuck with me to carry on with that group for a little while. So we did. And that, which involved two of my own sons at that point, a couple of their friends and a couple of their friends. So really a group of certainly no more than, than 10 children. 
yeah. um, started off as, a, as an under eight team. And uh, it grew literally exponentially from there. So um, the, the, the secret was we started small. We had a small group, but they were a keen enough group. Um, we trained once or twice a week and we went to blitzes and slowly but surely that group turned into a, an under 12 team. More children came up behind them and it just went from age group to age yeah. group to age group. So at the moment, actually have everything from up to senior. Yeah, so Cormac, talk to us about like, obviously Donegal is, you know, stronghold football. So, you know, trying to break that mentality are trying to bring hurling into it. Like, you know, how did parents perceive it? How did kids perceive it? You know what I mean? Yeah. It must have been, you know, obviously a, a tough battle because I know in my club, you know, you're from Mallow, and although you guys played both hurling and football, we were predominantly hurling. And I know growing up playing football, you know, the, when we did play football, because our club is a giant hurling football club, you know, a lot of us played both growing up. But I know the hurling coaches weren't really fond of us playing football and such so it would be the opposite up there i guess you know what i mean so every time growing up the hurling coaches would you know we'd, we'd have to oh we got to train football wednesday night and the, the guys are oh what, what are you doing playing football for that you know we don't play football in this club kids are going to play it and yeah. um, you're going to get new groups in you're going to get new families in you're going to get new coaches in so it really is a slow step-by-step process and at the start it is difficult because yeah. you are as you correctly point out you're you're dealing with yeah. the changing yeah. of an entire mindset and it was difficult at the start because you know for example Dunlow is is now building a second pitch and uh, yeah. we'll talk about that later on um, but like the facilities are finite so you know there's there's only so much space within a club like that and when you're introducing a whole new regime of of underage hurling now at at the at the outset we were only starting off with maybe under eights and under tens yeah. but it grew and as it grew you're, you're bringing new people into the we we were so strong in hurling that you know we had we had a, you know a lot of numbers and obviously you can't fit 20 people into 15 into hurling teams so what happened with the rest of the guys like you know they're not so you know obviously if you're not stronger at the hurling they you know did some of them would get left behind or some of them would fall away but luckily we had football there which those kids you know they were always playing. So they would, they'd go play the football and um, they'd always keep playing. So I, I assume that could be the same transition up in Donegal, you know what I mean? They're not so stronger, you know, footballers that probably aren't playing at the, the highest level with Dunlow, you know, would play hurling. And, you know, obviously they can progress and they're always, they'll be always active and in sport. And, and that's certainly true because I, I think when we were starting off, um, we certainly had we opened up a whole new sort of part of the club that cater for hurling and cater for children, maybe whom, as you correctly point out, may not have been at the the level that might have been required yeah. to play at the at the football end of things, or or children who didn't like football, or who children who just weren't athletic enough to play yeah. football at that point. But as you know yourself, yeah. the rate of maturation of a child, you know the rate of his maturity or the rate of his development varies hugely from individual to individual. Exactly. So, you know, we might have had guys who may not have been, you know, open to football at the start or maybe even able for football or who didn't like football coaches that there might be. So, like, you are a bit of a prophet for a while uh, preaching yeah. in, a, in a strange land. Even if that is only an under-18 or an under-10 team, uh, to see that their children are getting such pleasure 
out of catching a slither that's coming at them at speed or driving that slither back at speed and the speed that the whole game is played with. Then you have a group of parents who say, well, you know what? This is actually a fantastic sport. And that was 15 years ago. So when people say that there is Donegal, I always say, well, well there is actually. There's, there's 18 years of a tradition at this point and that's tradition. Um, and you have now got brothers or uncles or people like, you know, who are in their 30s who are now helping the younger children uh, who might be six or seven or eight or nine or ten because they've now been through it. They can see the joy of it. And a lot of other people can see that we are bringing on a whole range of children who may not may not have had an exposure to anything within our club, but because we're offering two codes now in, 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 the, in the, the male section and two codes in the female section, four codes in total, our club is much more wider reaching. So even leaving aside the dual people, and we do have dual players, and you know that's an that's another issue, uh, and they need to be managed, as you well know, they need to yeah. be um, catered for in terms of the load that's being put upon them. Not so much an issue from sort of under 15s down, but in later in later age groups, yes. Yeah. But even apart from those people, and we have dual players now at at under 21, at senior level, at minor level, etc., um, and all the ways down. But even leaving those aside, it's all those additional girls and boys who are coming into the club may now exclusively be coming into the club because of a stick in a small ball. Nice. And, and that's something that's entirely new. Beautiful. But I always say to people who are in, in, in the position of trying to start it, you have to start small. So like if you have five players at under 10 or under 12, just look after those five players. You know, play, get, go train with five players because that's what you have. And if you have to have small-sided games and if you have to have one or two coaches looking after five kids, make it the best five-child participant uh, training session that you could ever have. Get loads of small-sided games with opposite uh, uh, opposition. Don't tell them you only have five players. You want to have uh, blitzes that are five-a-side. But get it moving. That five will become six, it'll become seven, it'll become eight, it'll become whatever it is. And then you've got a team. And if they're enjoying it, if they're having fun, which... I think every child who plays hurling generally does. But if you can get them uh, in that position for long enough that you have that number of kids playing, then I think you're going to have success. Yeah. And that's one team looked after. Yeah. And start small and keep building incrementally. Yeah, definitely, Paulo. One thing I tell uh, you know, a lot of the parents that you know I talk to over the years, um, uh, it's one thing getting your kids into sport, but you know a lot of them forget that the life lessons that you learn in sport they correlate to work, you know, as you get on and older, you know, being in a team environment, being able to, you know, adapt and, you know, being able to communicate with other other um, teammates, you know, bringing, bringing all that up in through the ranks. And then, you you know, obviously when you go to work, you've all got these innate skills that you've already developed. And uh, it's so important, you know, no matter what, to get your kid involved in any type of sport, yeah. you know. Well, the sport is just one of those crucial aspects in everybody's life. And, you know, I'm now... In my 50s, I'm, I'm 53, um, but I'm still playing sport. And um, okay. you know, I still played competitively up to maybe a year ago. Um, but like, it's so hard to leave sport go. And I think you just have to transition as best you can. Now, I never played at an elite level, but I always played at a reasonably good level and always loved it and was always training and always looking forward to Tuesdays or Thursdays or game days for the last 30 years, you know, or sorry, yeah. 40 maybe even yeah. 45 years. It's everything in terms of your mental health, in terms of, as you say, 
bringing in principles of leadership or or, yeah. or, or working with a team or you know dealing with disappointment or dealing with all sorts of issues that crop up yeah. uh, in that environment and it you know it, it teaches so much to a child to an adult to everybody because it's just it mirrors it's just it's such a, an yeah. integral part yeah. of your life um big big topic come up that you know uh, um back home is the participation you know myself and yourself growing up you know we would have seen great cork teams you know, and, uh, you know, through the 80s and 90s, we were winning our Orleans for fun. You know what I mean? And, you know, obviously tradition in the last 20 years has declined. You know, obviously it's our sport, you know, we haven't won in our Ireland in the last 20 years, whether it's down to, you know, the lack of um, resources put in on underage in GA in, in, GA in Cork, or whether it's the participation, kids being involved not being involved, you know what I mean? Obviously, um, a lot of things have, you know, obviously taken off, whether, you know, the, the IT world or kids kids just don't want to be participating in sport anymore. Um, what's your take on all of that? You know, obviously, you know, trying to trying to grow sport and, um, you know, the whole lot of all that, what I just spoke about. Yeah, well, I suppose the stats on, on being sedentary or being inactive as a child are more and more frightening all of the time. Well, I don't think there's any more pressure, say, in Limerick for a child to be involved with an iPhone or a PlayStation than there is in Cork. And Limerick are winning our Ireland's in Cork aren't. So, exactly. Um, I, I look, it, it, that's a factor for every sport, for every country and for every family and for every school uh, that it is a fact of life that there are less physical challenges on a child just in his or her day-to-day -day life. Yeah. Because when we were young, you know, you walk a lot more, you cycle a lot more, you climb trees, you ran around, you, you got from A to B on foot yeah. um, or on your bike. And, and now that just doesn't happen. Like, you know, yeah. children are conveyed to sports. You know, they're, they're brought in the car, they're dropped off at the training, they're collected after training. Um, you know, they're sitting at home a lot, uh, doing a lot more sedentary things. Everything is more routine and more organized. So children, you know, don't have the same level of, I think, of of individual freedom. Everything is much more boxed in routine for them. Yeah. So like they might have training on Tuesday at six o'clock and training at Wednesday, six o'clock. But it's their parents really who are responsible for that, yeah. even up to, you know, we fell behind at underage. Um, and in fairness, down the last, yeah, I believe so. Years that has recovered very, very well. And you know, from under 15, under 17, minors, under 21, you know, yeah. you can see that progress coming back in, and you can see players are much more conditioned than their counterparts were six or seven years ago. Yeah. Because, like, you know, okay, in the 90s, you know, the Cork teams were renowned for being fit, they were renowned for being strong. Like that Cork team that that Sean Ogan that you were in for a while yeah. was renowned it's new level of physicality new level of fitness and and every couple of years a new team comes along and changes that or adds to it or brings it to a new level but yeah. none of those teams unfortunately were cork uh, in the last 15 or so years yeah. i think certainly you know with the underage structure there does appear to be a re-emphasizing of that and that you know have to really um bed in very very early a large number of hurlers because I think even the enlargement of the development squads in Cork has, has made a big progress or a big uh, change as well. Yeah. So having a select group of, of 25 in a squad, if you've got 50 in a squad, um, and even though some of those might not necessarily be, you know, at the level that you require, that rate of maturation does change, change. And you're better off training a larger group with more lads in it who have potential than limiting them too early. So 
I, I think, you know, I, I think we're not too far away again, yeah. to be honest. You know, I, I think we're knocking on the door and I think we're in the right place. Um, but in terms of children, it certainly is a challenge. Uh, um, and I think it's more important than ever, really, that they're involved. In I sport. agree so. Because even 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 looking at my club, Cork, you know, the Pierce got relegated, so we're no longer in the senior championship anymore. So, um, you know, obviously that was very disappointing. But, you know, I talked to Sean Oga about, you know, our club, and it's mainly the biggest thing is participation, you know, the declining of participants, declaring of, you know, obviously to, to, to be able to be successful in life, you've got to be able to, you know, um, you give something up, you know what I mean? And um, these kids, like, you know, they're distracted with other things like sport to win anything. You got to, you know, you got to be committed. You got to, you know, put your head down. You got to work, you know, you got to do your pre-seasons, you know, you got to do the slog. And just the participation numbers that, you know, he was telling me that there's six, seven guys coming up to training, you know what I mean? Can't have that and then be expected, you know, to be successful, like, you know what I mean? So I think it's the mindset. Yeah. It's the mindset initially, you know, and obviously, how do we get that back, you know, in the county? Because, um, you know, obviously, it's especially in the in the in the city, in the city of Cork, you know, obviously it's declining. But it's good to see, you know, other teams in the city, like you see, Saint Finbar has just made the hurling and football. You know, they they won the hurling and they, you know, obviously lost lost the football narrowly. But um, you know, they're just a couple of miles down the road. So you know, obviously, it's definitely a mindset. You know what I mean? And um. How, how how do you how do you um you know counteract that with your kids like I, I suppose club club is all about community it's all about local <laughs> it's all about parish it's all about people that people know um, yeah. and it involves people like Sean Ogan yourself and it involves people like myself and it involves people who might even not really be too keen about playing at any particular level they might want to train at a you know a not too difficult level but they still want to practice, they still want to have fun, they still want to be part of the whole setup. And I think that's what is is absolutely key to club and to local and to community. So like, if you can get somebody who's out there and who's going to go win, say to schools, and who's going to go win and make a link between club and school and you know gain the trust of even five or six kids in a, in a coaching environment within a school setup. So say, for example, you've got four or five feeder schools for an Apirishik. Yeah. Uh, if you're getting every year guaranteed five or six out of every class in every one of those schools to come in because they like Satanta, yeah. okay? Or they like Tom, who comes yeah. in and, and yeah. they know Tom's in the club and they go, therefore, to Tom's training sessions or training sessions that Tom is involved with. Then that's that's the first step done yeah. then the next step is obviously you have to look after them when they come to the club the sessions have to be organized they have to be fun uh, they have to feel safe they have to get games they have to enjoy the game but the first step is actually getting out there when your club is not um you know getting people running through the door as maybe it was in the 70s and the 80s and the 90s when everybody played football and everybody played yeah. hurling yeah. and it was just part of it. Now that there's so much other stuff out there that's, you know, a big distraction or kind of fast going in the opposite direction to, to sport. Yeah. Then sport Definitely. needs to become a little bit more, I won't say aggressive, but it has to be a bit more active in or proactive in terms of hand up and saying, children, you know, we're over here. 
this is good fun. You'll actually enjoy it. But before that, they'll before they'll come and enjoy it. I think they have to sort of trust the environment that they're going into. They have to be yeah. sold what is on offer. And I think schools are key, absolutely key in that yeah. regard. Yeah, they are definitely come in, in like when I was growing up, we had I, I don't know if you're familiar with we had the the Harpy Cup. It was like yeah. the, in terms of the school playing hurling football, that was the creme de la creme of you know hurling. So if if you played Harpy Cup for your school, would be a big key to you know the success of hurling and growing the game. What would you say say that? Totally agree. And so if you take Dunlow as you know one of the most western points in West Dunlow, so you know how 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 do we start? Again, I'd go back and say small is key so make a first step yeah. but when you make that first step concentrate on making that first step a success so again it goes back to you might be coaching in a school environment you might be coaching in a club environment you might have a handful of children um either in school or in club or in both but just make sure that that's a success before you go to step two step is going to start another team but if you're going to start another team, you need to make sure that before you get what you wish for in terms of more children, that you have that structure in place to cater for them before they arrive. Yeah. Because the worst thing that can ever happen is that you start off, get into the schools, you get 20 kids who come to the next training session, and there's one or two coaches who are not able to give that enlarged group a successful training session that they enjoy and that they have fun out of and that it's good crack. And they kind of come and they scratch their heads and they leave saying, well, that wasn't very good. And that's that audience on. You're not going to get them back. So it's all about, I think, preparation, catering for small, developing from small to medium, but making sure that at each step along the way that, you know, not losing sight of what it's all about. And what it's all about is making sure that those kids are actually enjoying themselves. Um, Making sure they're having fun, making sure that they're having plenty of games, making sure that the sessions are fun organized and fun based. And if you can do that and you can do it in a manner that allows for sort of slow, but steady, but, you know, growth that's organized, it's, it's kind of like a business. And you have to, you have to just make sure that each one of those steps uh, is sort of flagged and catered for in advance. And, and that's, yeah. that's what we did. Like, you know, it's 18 years later yeah. that we're, we're at the now and it's still, it's still, you know, far from um, secure or far from, you know, develop as much as you would want to be. But you know, we have now got a lot of hurling coaches, a lot of camogie coaches, maybe like this sport, who had no tradition, who may never have seen a game uh, on TV, definitely never saw a game live, but from seeing their own children play, kind of realized that, you know what, this actually is a really, really good game. Yeah. And a lot of them will say, my child has got so much better at Gaelic, since he started playing hurling. Yeah. Because if you think about it, it's the same field, it's the same spatial awareness, it's the same goal, yeah. same number of players in the field, same positions. And um, so there's a lot of there's a lot of, of, of commonality that yeah. you know, that one sport will help uh, uh, develop in terms of the other. Yeah. So I think you know my 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 sort of top advice would be start start small, protect yeah. your small mind your small and then slowly develop that into to, to sort of medium and into large but you know be careful as to how you fast yeah yeah another, another question i've got for you Cormac, is you know um just the development of take away take aside don't for a second right but um how healthy is hurling 
in Donegal or you know what I mean obviously they're in the Nicky Nicky Record Cup so in order for them to progress and you know to, to get to to senior obviously like my dream is that like I spoke before I ha- I did a podcast for bench warmers and realistically there's only about three or four teams that can win in our Ireland right so how do we in, in this is hurling now um, football's a different kettle of fish you know there's a lot more teams that can win it but realistically nuts and bolts we got three or four whether hurling's declining all around you know what I mean what I'm trying to say is how do we get to the level where we have 10 12 14 teams competing at the highest level right so when, when you go to the likes of Donegal Armagh Leash you know the weaker counties now how do we how do you see Donegal in terms of hurling now uh, how it's going to progress or you know what steps does it need to take for it to get from the Nicky record to the you know to the to the highest competition um what are your thoughts on that there are 10 clubs in Donegal playing hurling right at at underage level and then you know there are uh, slightly less at senior level and they play a combination of uh, senior intermediate or junior uh, depending on which club it is and some clubs will provide a senior team and a junior team um and it has grown uh, in the last number of years in that the number of clubs has expanded but if you were serious about making Donegal who have fluctuated between Christy Ring and uh, yeah. and Nick and uh, have fluctuated between Division 2A, 2B, uh, 3A from time to time. But the last couple of years they've they've been they've been performing very well as uh, a senior intercounty team. Right. But if, if you're going to sort of give that um, shot in the arm to a, a county like Donegal, the one word I would use is development and money is the biggest thing. Really need to put, like say for example, you take West Donegal where we are, yep. right? And you could take North Donegal where another couple of clubs are. You could take South Donegal where Ballyshannon, Donegal Town are. If you were serious about bringing all those teams at underage and at senior level, you would have a games development officer in every single one of those areas. Absolutely you would. Yeah. And it's a travesty that we don't have it. Yeah. If Croke Park are really serious about uh, yeah. developing the weaker counties, then they really need to put people in those counties full-time who are going to give sort of oxygen to people like myself and there's an equivalent of me in every club um, who are pushing and pushing and pushing. Um, but, you know, we have lives and we have jobs, yeah. so we can't do it any more than we're doing. But if you had a games development officer uh, for every club, yeah. and if not, club for every say the area north south east uh, west uh, who was going to look after underage who was going to provide a school club link who was going to link in with the intercounty development squads who was going to do that from sort of underage up to senior then you'd see change then you'd see rapidly a lot more children getting to feed into the senior squad and then you would see within five years a significant change yeah, so you put it beautifully there, you know, and oh, I know you guys are trying to, you know, you try, you guys are fun doing fundraising for another another pitch, which is, you know, obviously it's going to benefit the club enormously. But is there any any help from the GA, you know, any help from, you know, the GA in terms of um, financial or is it just solely down to Dunlow GA Club to bring to raise that money themselves or, you know, 
and, and guys... the second pitch and uh, yeah sponsorship involved for that it's not necessarily coming from the ga they're um, funding organizations within the the, the country so yeah. you never do it by yourself yeah but uh, the, the club raised uh, a lot of money uh two years ago uh through fundraising itself uh, yeah. and that was a huge uh, process which took uh probably over a year and a half of fundraising yeah. so they've got a stock of money there that they had to uh to to to, to raise mm-hmm. in order to match uh, uh, funding that might be available through groups like Leader and through Sport Ireland and things like that. Yeah, how how how, how much you, how much are you talking like to for a development like that? You know, just in a second like, pitch. Like to get a, a to get a, a GA pitch to a green field without any posts, without any fencing, without any spotlights, without any of that is about one point five million, yeah. like, and that that might be a, an outdated um, uh, figure that I have at the moment, but it's extraordinarily yeah. expensive. But there, so. But the, At the moment, doing another draw, and I know you're going to mention that uh, later on yeah. in the podcast with three and twenty-three, yeah. and that is uh, um, essentially whereby if you win, uh, one person will win, but they will win uh, a whole range of, of of prizes, including five hundred a week for the entirety of the, the weeks of twenty twenty-three. So that's your live for free bit. Oh. But there's also other uh, great prizes attached to it. But the funding from that, which is going extraordinarily well at the moment, um, will help hopefully to finish off that second pitch development oh that's a that's un- unbelievable because you know obviously having that second second pitch you know opens up so possible all kinds of possibilities you know in terms of um ha- having multiple teams training and you know at the same time so it, it alleviates a lot of stress for parents you know what i mean yeah, yeah. parents that have you know obviously there's a there's a lot to go involved, you know, when you're getting a second pitch, you know, not only do you get the pitch, but, you know, parents, kids, you know, there keeps a lot of them off the streets, you know, parents get to drop kids off at the one time, you know what I mean? Instead of going back and forth, back and forth with this one, you know, obviously if you got one, one or two or three kids and, you know, it just opens up everything. And imagine if you could put floodlights on, on one of the pitches, you know what I mean? Do you guys have floodlights even? No, I know, I know um, this is, obviously the foreseeable future for you guys and uh, trying to work towards that, which is amazing. It's coming at a great time as well because the club is actually 100 years old next year. Well, so, uh, nice. 2023 is, is the 100-year anniversary of it. Last year, uh, the, the hurlers won the junior championship, which was only their, their <laughs> second year in it. Uh, yeah. And this year, the footballers have won the intermediate uh, football title. And um, yeah. so it's, it's going really well. And there's a, there's a great underage um, setup for ladies' football. And we now have everything in camogie from under 16 down with the, the promise of a minor team next year as well. So you can see like there's a lot of development in squads. There's a lot of development in teams. There's four codes going well. And you've got your senior teams performing well. Um, so, you know, a second pitch is absolutely crucial to the further development of all of that. You know, it, it's going well. It's going well. But, um, you know, hopefully this draw will put us in a position then that we can actually finish it. Yeah, definitely. So, um in going forward, obviously, you know what I mean? You'd love to be involved for the next 40, 50 years, you know what I mean? But um, you're going to have to, you know, give up the mantelpiece one day, you know, but um, definitely um, what, what, what's the legacy you'd love to leave behind, you know, the lore, you know, what, what ideal world, what would you like to see? I think it's already there because, <laughs> uh, you know, I, I suppose while I plowed a lonely furrow for a while, that's not the case anymore. Most of these underage teams 
I'm not involved in it at all. The senior team, I wasn't involved in last year in terms of any of the management. Yeah. And there's plenty of excellent coaches out there, both in Hurling and Camogie. So I'm one of maybe 20-odd coaches at the moment. So that's fine. That's brilliant. I mean, and that's the way it should be. Um, because if you have all your eggs in one basket or if, if your development is based on one pillar, then it's vulnerable, it's very vulnerable. Yeah. Um, so now we have, uh, you know, quite a, a considerable number of people who are involved. Maybe not all coaches. Um, there's a hurling committee in the club or hurling and camogie committee in the club. There's a hurling and camogie officer officer in the club. Um, as I said, there's about 20 people who are actually coaching hurling and camogie. We've got about another four or five or six people involved in the administration side of things. So, you know, I think that it's already there in terms of yeah. where you want it to be. It's just now making sure that it continues to, to, to grow and that you continue to, as I say, slowly but surely add on a little bit every year in terms yeah. of where you're going with numbers, with the quality um, and with the progression of where you want to be. So yeah. I, I'm delighted. And, you know, you have to thank the club for that. And, you know, earlier on, I mentioned about, you know, stepping on people's uh, toes or yeah. their patch. That's now happened that the club has grown and people have seen that, you know, this is actually a good thing for yeah. our club. There's always going to be a few, like we we'll say the diehards down in Nefirshik who didn't mind yeah. any footballs to see the grass. And um, yeah. the lot here uh, who will be the same because that's the way that they've they've always seen it and that's the way they've always read it yeah. and they're going to be very difficult to change. But most people can see that it's added in many different ways a whole different dimension to the club, a whole group of new people coming in, new parents, yeah. new families, new coaches, new players, and that it's also benefited the existing people underage in particular who are better athletes because they're swinging a hurley as well as kicking a football. Definitely, definitely. Uh, another question is um, the development of your coaches. Uh, is there anything done, you know, how, how, do, they, how do the coaches seek development? Um, I know in Australia, most clubs, um, generally all local clubs, um, with the AFL, they have coaches, they have like development officers that go out and they, they solely coach parents. So, if Dunlow one night drive out, someone drive up to Donegal, spend four or five hours coaching parents or anybody that who wanted to get involved, they'd coach them for a couple of hours and they would do it regularly. Is it something that you know? Obviously, uh, you'd be open to uh, um, doing. Obviously, I know. I know it. I know it's um, obviously trying to trying to get everything to to accommodate together is difficult with people working and all that, but. Obviously, if there's parents out there willing to, you know, learn the, learn the game of hurling and obviously, um, you know, they can transfer it to their kids would be ideal, wouldn't it? Yeah, it would. And, and that's that's what we started off initially. We, we kind of ran parents, uh, courses with the idea that nice. it wasn't necessarily to get people into coaching, but it was to get them familiar with skills so that... You know, if you've got a seven-year-old or a nine-year-old or an eight-year-old at home who's starting to play hurling, that if you can get the parent in to learn how to do a jab lift or to learn how to do a roll lift or to learn how to do a hand yeah. pass, then, you know, when they go back to the, the, the front garden or the back garden or wherever and they can play with their own child, then you've got double the uh, the, the energy going on there and it kind of won't end up the other. Now, some of those people then become involved as coaches yeah. and some of them don't. And that's fine, yeah. but you're just trying to make more familiar, more people familiar yeah. with the the whole thing 
and the, the sort of the, the skills of the game and the fact that it's just a really enjoyable yeah. game to play. And, you know, parents, if you can get them on board, yeah. then they're encouraging up their child going to training on Monday or Friday or whatever the, the, the day may be, more encouraging of them uh, playing yeah. a game or even watch them. Um, and, and the country board does, in fairness, they do provide coaching courses. So if right. you have want to uh, to be involved in coaching in the GAA structure, they have to be qualified as a coach, even if it's just yeah. a foundation. And mm-hmm. they will send out people uh, to do those courses uh, if you have sufficient people in your area. Nice. So if, say, for example, we did it uh, maybe a month ago, nice. and, uh, we've seen people who put their hands up to say, yeah, yeah, I'd love to do a foundation course. And uh, the county board send out somebody or Ulster GA send out somebody uh, to do that and they get their qualifications and nice. safeguarding or child protection and that sort of thing. Um, yeah. And then you have all of those people who are involved in coaching uh, suitably vetted and qualified, etc. Beautiful. And it's the only way it's going to be fast track, Cormac. You know what I mean? The more the more involvement that kid has, or you know, the, the obviously the coming from the parent, you know, it, it hit home. It hit it hit home a lot a lot better. Like you know, you have the, the parents involvement involved. You know, knowing that you know you're taking time out, you know, to see your little Johnny progress. You know what I mean? Obviously, what I've learned over over my time in love. You know what yeah. I mean? You know, um, especially in today's world. You know what I mean? Where you know a lot of kids get disappointed so easily. You know. But um, if you if you harness and uh, you know give a lot of a lot, lot of love to that kid, you know what I mean, he, things you know things grow. It's all about environment, uh, and you know <clears throat> we're lucky to have you know a safe environment and a structured yeah. environment, and as you mentioned, lots of love and lots of support and all of that. Other children maybe aren't so lucky in that regard, so yeah, really fills in a huge gap there, nice. and yeah. provide a constant message to a child that, you know, this club is fun, this club is safe, there are coaches here who will listen to you and help you and, uh, you know, help you along in your sporting development and yeah. other things as well, you know, um, growing up and dealing with things and because coaching is all part of that. Um, so, like, if you can get that voice or that that sort of thought echoed um, in the parents' vis-a-vis a sport, in yeah. the club, vis-a-vis a sport, in the school, vis-a-vis a sport. So if they're healing, if they're hearing that, you know, in my school there is there is camogie, in my school there is ladies football, in my school there is football, in my school there is hurling. And they hear that again at home, that, oh, I hear you're playing hurling or I hear you're playing camogie yeah. or I hear you're playing whatever. And then you have that in the club. And if there's three voices speaking to that child in a positive way, yeah. it's much more likely or she's much more likely to play. And similarly, you know, if they know that in my club there's two sports and I can play both or I can play one, or if I play both and I don't like one, I can play the other, then that child is doubly anchored in that club. Whereas yeah. they only have one anchor and they have a row with the football coach or the, the hurling coach, whichever it is, yeah. and there's only one sport in that club, then they're most likely gone out of the club. They're walking. Exactly. But if there's Know, then the other coach can say, well, come on back and sure, Jesus, you're right and come still play your hurling and sure, then in six weeks' time he's back playing football or back playing the other sport. Thank you for listening to our second episode of Help and Sport podcast with Cormac Hartnett and Satanto Alpine. You can follow us on helpandsport.com and all our regular social media channels. Until next time, goodbye.